Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. Okay, so how about this, folks? With Mayor Pete, little Pete, dropping out, pulling out, whatever he did, the presidential race, Donald Trump's now the youngest man running for president of the United States. We are set up here for a contest here between old and older on the Democrat side. Crazy Bernie and Joe Biden with Donald Trump, the youngest man running for president in the year 2020. Great to be with you, my friends. I told you to be back over the weekend. Here we are. The telephone number, if you want to be on the program today, is 800-282-2882. The coronavirus panic the media has reached. It has now equaled the same level of irresponsibility that they had achieved during the Russia collusion hoax and the supposed uh, whatever Trump supposedly did on the phone call to Zelensky, the uh, new president of Ukraine. It's outrageous what these people are doing. They're literally lying about Trump claiming the virus is a hoax. They're lying about me claiming that the virus was created by the deep state. But they're really lying about what Trump is saying about it. And they're being hypocrites. You know, Trump, we had Mike Pence on here, vice president, on Friday. Mike Pence pointed out, to anybody who wants to listen, that the minute back in late January, when all of this was first discovered, Trump started banning flights from China and from Iran. And do you remember what they said about him? They called him a racist. Biden and all these Democrats out there calling Trump a racist and a xenophobe, xenophobe. They really said he was an Asian racist. He was really being biased against Asians. Now, everybody is praising that, and the Democrats are forgetting that they ever called Trump a xenophobe and racist. The media isn't. They're still doing it. Donald Trump never said that the virus is a hoax. He said that the way the media is using it is a hoax. The same thing I've said. They said that I said that the deep state created the virus to weaponize again. It, it's the, the folks, it's, it's beyond irresponsibility uh, what the media is doing. because They're just flat out lying and they know it. And in the process, they're furthering this, this panic mentality and attitude. And I'll I'll give you examples of what I'm talking about here as the award-winning thrill-packed program unfolds. But I have to go back. I have to do this because this is the first time we've had a chance to speak since the South Carolina primary, which happened on Saturday. And I think this is itself an object lesson in how you ought to be paying no attention to the media whatsoever. Can we go back just to Friday? Let's go back to Thursday last week. In fact, pick a day. Go back to any day last week. And what was the media theme? The media theme was that Biden is finished. And by the way, they all conceded last week that Biden was going to win South Carolina. He had gotten the endorsement of James Clyburn, the father of Mignon Clyburn, the former chairman of the Congressional Black Caucasians in the House of Representatives. 
And even after giving the endorsement, Clyburn said, but we're going to have to retool this campaign, admitting that plugs his campaign's an abject joke in a, in a dismal state. But my point is, and I, 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 I really want to zero in on this, everybody knew plugs was going to win. The polling data, everybody in the media thought plugs was going to win South Carolina. So two-thirds of the electorate's African-American. He was going to get them. And then after he got the, the Clyburn endorsement, they all thought he was going to win, right? And even at that, it was over for him, right? Remember? Crazy Bernie was going to amass an unsurmountable delegate lead. He's going to get 415 delegates in California. Plugs that have a prayer when you look at the delegate count, even after winning, even if, this is before, even if he wins South Carolina. My point is, go back any day. Cookie, go randomly pick a day last week and give me any news report talking about the dismal state of the Plugs campaign and how it's pretty much over, no matter what happens in South Carolina. You don't have to. I'm just saying if it's readily available and easy, do it. It's stunning because they all knew and were predicting that Joe Biden was going to win South Carolina, but that that didn't matter, that it was over for Joe. Then what happened? Well, then Plugs wins South Carolina like they all said was going to happen, except... All of a sudden, now, Plugs is back in it. All of a sudden, Plugs is a serious contender. All of a sudden, Crazy Bernie's in deep doo-doo. All of a sudden, Plugs may have insurmountable momentum. All of a sudden, it's Biden's race to lose again. How does this happen? It is not Biden's race to lose now, we all know that the Democrat establishment doesn't want Crazy Bernie to be the nominee. We know that. And that, I think, is what explains the drive-by media. There, But it was incoherent. They predicted exactly what happened and all, all during the week. Didn't matter what happened. Joe Biden was finished. He was gaff-prone. Hell, yesterday. You see, he was on with Chris Matthews yesterday. Or Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Matthews, by the way, is invisible. You know, nobody can find him. The Me Too movement, he may be in one of Hillary's uh, testicle lockboxes out there with a double padlock on it because nobody can find the guy. Have you seen him? Nobody knows where he is. He's not visiting Harvey Weinstein. We know that. So anyway, we have uh, plugs is on with, with Chris Wallace. Fox News Sunday. And when it's over, what does plugs do? He says, thanks, Chuck. He thinks he's on with Chuck Todd. Thanks, Chuck. Stand up, Chuck. Let me see you, Chuck. And Wallace corrected him. No, no, I'm Chris Wallace. Uh, who are you thinking of, Chuck? Do you think of the guy in the wheelchair can't stand up? Or are you thinking of Chuck Todd? Anyway, Plugs didn't know where he was. I think it is just that. You go back last week, folks, and Plugs was buried. They knew he was going to win the South Carolina primary. It didn't matter. Then he goes and wins it, and now everything's upside down. Now, all of a sudden, Plugs is in the driver's seat. Plugs has got the inside angle to the job. Plugs, stunning and shocking. Everybody didn't stun and shock anybody. He did what he was predicted to do. Everybody knew he was going to win South Carolina, but, but last week it didn't matter. Then he does, and you know what they said? Well, look at the size of the victory. Well, there's nothing surprising about the size of the victory. 
Everybody knew what was going to happen in South Carolina, and you still had the guy written off. Then he goes and wins it like everybody knew was going to happen. All of a sudden, this race is turned upside down, and then Mayor Pete decides to quit. And you know why Mayor Pete quit? Because they got him on the phone with Barack Hussein O. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. They got Mayor Pete on the phone with Obama. Let's make the, uh, let me get the story here because it's, it is, everybody's wondering, why did Pete quit Sunday? What, 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 what does this mean? Well, there's a, there's a New York Times story. I have it right here. The uh, Times article, I guess, is today. It says, Mr. Buttigieg talked with Mr. Biden and former President Barack Hussein O. on Sunday night. According to a Democrat familiar with the conversations, Mr. Biden asked for Mr. Buttigieg's support. And the former mayor indicated he would consider the request. Mr. Buttigieg wants to sleep on the decision, he told aides. Some of whom believe he should move quickly to endorse plugs, uh, Mr. Biden. Now, also, you know, Biden wants Klobuchar and Warren to stay in. He doesn't want them quitting because he wants, he's afraid that their delegates might end up with Crazy Bernie. So he wants them to stay in to forestall Crazy Bernie amassing delegates, but he wanted Mayor Pete out of there. Mr. Obama did not specifically encourage Mr. Buttigieg to endorse Biden, said the official who insisted on anonymity to discuss private... Well, I doubt that Obama would actually come out and say so, but I doubt that he left any confusion in Mr. Booty Judge's mind what he wants. It's kind of like when they used to have Bill Clinton call people like Bob Torricelli or Andrew Cuomo. Hey, Bob. Hey, <laughs> what's happening, But You know that stuff you stole? You got caught. Look, I don't care what you do, but I just got to tell you, if, if you don't get out of there, you you, uh, <laughs> you you like being able to walk. We all like to walk, like go for walks in the park. You need to think about whether or not you're going to uh, continue to like that. But do what you want. That's kind of the way these things happen. Once you get to the to the mafia level of these political parties. Mr. Obama did not specifically encourage Mr. Buttigieg to endorse Mr. Biden, but Mr. Obama did not, nor did note, that Mr. Buttigieg has considerable leverage at the moment and should think about how best to use it. See? See, you know what happened in there on this meeting of this phone call. They got Mayor Pete in there and they told him, man, your future is bright. Look at what you you laid down out there that you're gay. You got your husband. You got him kissing him on the stage. You got away with it. Everything's fine. You're young. It's not your time. We're going to get rid of Trump. We're going to get rid of plugs and get rid of these old guys in a Democrat party like like plugs and crazy, crazy Bernie. And it's going to be your time in eight years, four years. You never know. But you got to do the right thing right now, Mayor Pete. And Mayor Pete's sitting there saying, before all this started, I was an anonymous mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Now look at me. The former president, the leader of Democrat Party, cares about what I'm going to do. So there's no question 
We just don't know specifically what Buttigieg was offered to get out of the race. So we don't know what he was offered if he does end up endorsing. Has he endorsed plugs yet or not? Just got He hadn't endorsed anybody yet? Well, that, that may happen. And if it does, then we know that, that Mayor Pete has been promised something. And there's nothing wrong with how political parties operate. I'm just curious what it is. And I was for my own uh, edification. But, I, folks, really, I can't. I was telling some people at lunch yesterday were asking me, so is, is it Biden back in it? You know, this, is a, this is an example of how everybody falls for this stuff. Is Biden back in? See, they had him buried last week. He was finished. It was done. Even though he was going to win South Carolina, because it didn't matter, and they all were telling the truth last week, by the way, it doesn't matter if he wins South Carolina. Uh, Bernie Sanders was not expected to win South Carolina, so it's no great shock that he didn't. He wasn't expected to carry a lot of delegates out of South Carolina, so it's no shock that he didn't, and yet they're acting like Plugs' win was something that came out of left field that nobody saw. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What does this do to shake up that does nothing to shake it up? It doesn't have anything to do with Bernie Sanders' delegate lead. The mathematics is the mathematics, and there is no way Joe Biden is going to catch him. And yet the media does this gigantic 180, making it look like plugs had some sort of magic, event that nobody was expecting when everybody was expecting it. Now, what the, I guarantee you that they that the Democrats want Mayor Pete's, everybody was going to vote for him tomorrow. They want those votes now to go to Biden. And, you know, Trump tweeted, Trump tweeted, I think Trump is right. I never discount Trump's political analysis. Trump tweeted that this is now the official Official beginning of the Democrat Party and the 2020 attempt to take out Bernie Sanders. And that's why the media was going batty and bonkers last week or Saturday after Plugs' win. Because it doesn't mean anything. And yet they're acting like the whole race got a shock. Everything's turned upside down Plugs is another front runner. He's not. And there's no way the math works for Joe Biden. There's literally no way that he can overtake Bernie Sanders. It just can't. It's not going to have the math is the math. Bernie's lead after tomorrow, after Super Tuesday, and those 415 delegates in California, it's not winner take all, but Bernie's going to get the lion's share of them. So they get Mayor Pete to quit. They're hoping to get Mayor Pete's lame little amount of votes over to plugs. So the, I think Trump's right. The official beginning of the uh, beheading, the political uh, beheading of Bernie Sanders has now officially begun. We'll take a break. Hi, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh executing assigned host duties flawlessly. Zero mistakes. Here's an example. This is the New York Times, uh, and this is uh, February 26th, so five days ago, essentially five days ago. Headline, Why Joe Biden Lags in Super Tuesday States. Joe Biden is counting on a victory in South Carolina to revive his candidacy, but... A daunting challenge awaits next week in states where he has limited resources. 
And we skip forward to a paragraph fairly early on in the story. Ready for this? Mr. Biden is counting on a win in the South Carolina primary on Saturday to help position him as the leading moderate challenger to Mr. Sanders. After three straight losses, shredded Biden's status as the one-time frontrunner. But even if he succeeds in South Carolina, his lack of resources and thin campaign organization in California and other states present a daunting challenge to a candidacy already on precarious foot. Okay, so they knew he was going to win. They knew that if he won, it didn't mean anything because he has nowhere to go after South Carolina. Now he wins, and all of a sudden, all of this, no resources, nowhere to go, all that stuff's now water under the bridge, and all of a sudden, plugs could go all the way after winning. And Come on, folks, how stupid do they think we are? And I'm at, they think we're pretty stupid. It means that every story the drive-by media ran last week on the Democrat campaign is meaningless. It's pointless. They lied to their teeth to you. They created false expectations. And they did it on purpose. They purposely downplayed the Biden. Remember, the media is part of the Democrat establishment, and they want Bernie Sanders gone. They want Bernie gone so fast. And it's not because they disagree with Bernie. Again, you must understand this, folks. It's because the only reason they want Bernie gone is because they think he's going to lose in a McGovern-type landslide. That's the only reason. I mean, it may not even be personal. They just think he's going to lose. They don't disagree with him on policy. They just think he's got no prayer against Trump. So last week, it's Biden, and it's forlorn, and Biden's got nowhere to go, and poor Biden, he gave it everything he's got, but man, there's just nothing in the tank, and he doesn't even know where it is. Then he wins South Carolina. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! They say, Joe Biden has revived his campaign. He's the front runner. They're playing you. They're trying to make you believe that Biden's come out of nowhere, has shaken up the race, when all he did was what everybody knew he was going to do. Win the black vote in South Carolina. Because James Clyburn fixed it. James Clyburn made sure the black vote was going to go. Well, the, the black vote's going to vote however Clyburn says. And Clyburn went out there and endorsed plugs, and that's that. I'm telling you, nothing has changed. Bernie Sanders' delegate count dwarfs Biden's. There's no way Biden can catch up to him no matter what. That's why... The games have begun. That's why the official political decapitation of Bernie Sanders has begun with Pete Buttigieg getting out of the race. And you Sanders supporters, I'm trying to help you here. You probably know it as well as I do, what's, what, what, what is ahead for your guy. They did it to him in 20, 2016. They're going to try to do it again this year. Find out where Chris Matthews is as your first step to get to the bottom of this. And I have more evidence. More evidence. Do not doubt me when it comes to media analysis and when it comes to telling you what the left is, what they're saying, what they mean, what they're going to do. Do not doubt me. So just to refresh, you're all being played. Last week, Joe Biden 
he was finished, even if he wins South Carolina. They knew he was going to win South Carolina, but it wasn't going to matter. They all said, too little, too late. You can't go out and win one primary when crazy Bernie's racking up delegates like this and have any hope. Then he wins, and all of a sudden, all that's out the window. All of a sudden, he's the front runner. Here, I want to go back and show you how they had him buried last week, and this was all by design. Because they knew he was going to win, so they wanted to set up this big win as all of a sudden he'd been reborn. Oh, my God, the race has turned upside down. Oh, my God, it could be plugged. You and me, we were all played. And here's an example of how here's Van Jones Friday on CNN. The problem is a former vice president, two-term vice president, Obama's guy, should be just sucking in money. He's broke. That shows you there's a lack of enthusiasm, not just at the grassroots level, would have needed that, but also at the top. And so it's very, very hard to understand the rationale of the Biden candidacy as a campaign. Uh, he doesn't have the grassroots enthusiasm. He's not filling stadiums like Bernie Sanders. He's not vacuuming in money from the top. He doesn't have a grassroots operation. It does felt like a dead man walking campaign for a long time. That's a day before the South Carolina primary, folks. That's a day before. He's done. He's buried. He can't get any money. Nobody's donating money. Joe Biden is dead man walking. Then he goes and wins. And Van Jones, African-American, he knows the African-American vote South Carolina is going to line up for plugs because Clyburn's giving him the endorsement. They know it's going to happen. And they turn right around and they proclaim, oh, my goodness, look at plugs. He's totally shaken up the race when he hasn't done anything. He's still dead man walking. If they don't find a way to somehow politically decapitate Bernie Sanders, plugs that have a prayer. He cannot win this. He The mathematics, there's no way it works. Let's go back even further last week. We'll go back to Monday, a week ago today. The drive-by media convinced that crazy Bernie had it in the bag. If Bernie Sanders is at the top of the ticket, that the Democrats could lose the House. If you're voting for him because you think he'll win the election politically, you're a fool. This has been tried. We just saw it in Great Britain. Jeremy Corbyn went down dramatically. Sounds a lot like political suicide. Democrats need to sober up. The Democrats won't win unless the ticket reflects the center. Democrats that go through the five stages of grief. Sanders may have crushed the hopes of a Democratic establishment desperate to stop him. The fall of France in the summer of 1940. And the general, Renault calls up Churchill and says, it's over. And Charles said, how can it be? you got the greatest army in Europe. How can it be over? He said, it's over. That, by the way, is the last public comment anybody's ever heard from Chris Matthews. They can't find him. They don't know where he is. If he's been talking, nobody's heard it. Comparing crazy Bernie's win to the Nazis. <laughs> Conquering France in the night. But anyway, you hear this. They had... It was over. Bernie had this thing sewn up. It was so bad he's going to destroy the Democrats down the ballot. Oh, my goodness, it's over. And see, here comes Plugs winning one really insignificant. In the big scheme of things, winning the South Carolina primary is insignificant in terms of the delegate count. And Plugs doesn't have any money. That's why they boot a judge to get out and give some of his uh, delegates some of his money. Ah, folks. You are, we are being played by these people just like we're, you are being lied to by the media. You're not just being played on this coronavirus, the 
element of it that is a hoax. They know full well what the president said, and they continue to lie about it, as do never-Trumpers. They continue to lie about things I have said about it. They continue to ratchet up the panic relevant to the coronavirus. The stock market today is, let me check. I want somebody explain this to me. I mean, I can give you the official explanation. Uh, what has changed with the coronavirus? As far as we know, nothing. Coronavirus is bad, getting worse. People are dying. Do you know how they're dealing with this, by the way, in North Korea? I have a headline here. North Korea's first confirmed coronavirus patient shot dead. Well, that's one way of dealing with it. Kim Jong-un's lining them up and just wiping them out. He's not even going to mess with the infection spreading. He's just shooting them. Uh, by the way, president called me today right before the program. He said, I just got to check in on you. I hear you're doing great. I hear you're looking great. Vice president says you're looking great. I say I played 18 holes yesterday. He said, 18? Really? That's not the point. How many birdies did you get? I said, I had a couple. That was, it was a good time out there. He said, I just had a check in on you. And he starts talking about this hoax. He starts talking about this versus the flu and the number of cases and the mortality rate. He's, he's on top of this. He knows exactly, folks, what they are trying and what they're doing. And he was insistent to me that they are not going to join the panic on the task force or himself personally in reporting this. They're going to do everything they can to fight the panic that's out there about this. Uh, but he's he's fully aware of what they are trying to The media, predominantly with Democrat help, what they're trying to do. He knows exactly uh, what's what's going on. And he was talking about how he banned all the flights. Isn't it an interesting... I'm the first guy. I recognize this before anybody else does, and I banned flights from China, from Iran, like a late January rush, and they're calling me a racist. They're telling me everybody else I'm a racist. And now all of us, now they don't even want to talk about that. Now they want to talk about how it was the smart thing to do, but that I didn't do it. I said, I know, sir. I know, sir. Just don't, don't. This panic business is, you know, quell it. It's not, not even, even, it, there's no reason to create and, and, and construct a psychological attitude or circumstance where there's panic. It's not productive and it's not helpful. And it's not even warranted uh, in the United States. Now, the stock market, let me find it here very quickly. Folks, uh, when I started the program, it was up in the 600s. 700 and it's plus 774. Let me double check this. Sometimes takes a while. 770. Okay, now what's changed with the coronavirus? What has changed? Have you seen any stories about how the coronavirus is reducing in number? Have you seen stories, we found a cure? No. Have you seen stories, we got a vaccine? No. Have you seen stories, you know what, the reported number of cases is weighted? No. What are you seeing? You're seeing another death in the state of Washington. Another diagnosis in Iran. Another death here. Another. So why is the market going up? The Dow Jones Industrial Average right now is at plus... 769. Apple is uh, is plus almost 19, 1855. You know, they lost 4% of their value. Everything. NASDAQ is up 230 points. So, seriously, folks, how do you explain this? When the coronavirus news is still panic city. 
Coronavirus news is still, you're going to die. Coronavirus news, there's no way to keep from getting it. There aren't any masks. Oh, my God, there's no store shelves left with any stuff. Oh, my God, we're all going to, that's the news. Why is the market going up? Same news that drove the market down, what, 4,000 points last week. Why is the market, I mean, it is roaring today. And the coronavirus news is no different. So what is it? Well, the reason I'm asking this is what, you know, what really drove the market down last week? If, if it was coronavirus news that drove the market down last week, and the coronavirus news, if anything, is worse today than it was last week, and it is, I mean, the, the, the panic aspect of it is worse. The real substance of it is not. But the, the media reporting, you would think if you didn't know any better, it's worse. So why is the market up? Well, why was the market down? Why was the market down? There's no change in coronavirus news. The market should be down another 700 points today, not up 700. Coronavirus news is identical. Well, there is one answer. And you know what it is? That central banks around the world are thinking of stimulus. Yes, in order to save the markets, in order to save the plunge from the coronavirus, central banks are thinking of infusing a bunch of stip printing a bunch of money. So the markets think that central banks are going to make up the loss from last week by printing them a bunch of money and essentially investing it. And so they're feeling, oh, cool, okay, so we can go back to being happy. But the coronavirus news hasn't changed. Coronavirus news is as bad as it's been. I've never seen anything like it. I don't care where you go, the headlines, the links. If you, if you just landed here from Mars, you would think that half of the world's population is gone and the other half only has a few weeks or months to survive. That is how bad the news is. Just the, just the headlines. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, Fredo's big brother. So we got another case here. It's a health care worker. Oh, my God. A health care worker. Oh, God. None of us are safe. Oh, my God. Where do I go? Can I leave? Where do I? Panic City. Sitting in and out there telling everybody the president's calling it a hoax, which he hasn't. It is so irresponsible. It's the epitome. These people have gone beyond the realm of irresponsibility in the first two years of the Trump administration are setting all-time new lows or highs, depending on how you want to categorize. So be back here in just a second. Don't go anywhere, folks. Hang on. We're going to get started here on the phones. Mike in Chicago, great to have you, sir, on the EIB Network. And you're up first today, so hello, sir. Hey, Russ. Uh, you know, the media, they've moved the goalpost of uh, the frequency of weather events, such as storms, floods, fires. They move the goalpost on what's obstruction, what's collusion, what's even appropriate for the president to say to a world leader. So why not move the goalpost for a virus? It seems simple to me. Yeah, but here's the thing. And this is this. Uh, see, we're, we're in an era here where we need to inform as many people as possible that they can't trust these people anymore. There's a natural trust that exists. If you see it in a newspaper, you believe it. It's just it's, it's the way we all grew up. It's it's a. A reputation that media has had for decades, decades, centuries. It's it's hard to battle. You see it on TV. Must be true. 
How many people? I saw it on television. It's true. I saw it in the movie. It's true. I saw it on the news tonight. It's true. I read it on the internet. I, I read it in the newspaper. And the media relies on that. But what has happened now with the election of Trump, there have not been two pieces, one by Jim Rutenberg in the New York Times shortly after the election in November 2016, and in Margaret Sullivan, the Washington Post last week. And both pieces have basically said we have to throw out all of the old rules of journalism. It's a new era and whatever it takes to stop Donald Trump. And this is essentially what both of them have written. And what it means is that they are now free to ignore what everybody thinks media is. Objectivity, fairness, both sides. They're free to ignore that. I mean, even people who think the media is biased still think they get both sides in the story. People who think the media is biased, and there are a lot of them, still it's a conscious thing you have to do in every story not to believe it. Folks, look at me. I even get... You know, there's no more suspicious, doubting, knowing they're full of it person about the media than me. And even I will read something and before I catch myself, tend to believe it. It's just something about it being printed, something about it being broadcasted, just... um, And if it has New York Times or Washington Post or CBS, ABC, NBC behind it, it just it just carries. So it's a constant, constant requires constant awareness, constant situational awareness, constant attention. If you are going to include media in your life. To avoid being lied to, fooled, and misled, you need to have more consciousness about what you're seeing and reading every day than you've ever had. And it's just tough for a lot of people to do. But they've admitted. My point is, the Rutenberg piece, the Margaret Sullivan piece, and the Washington and Bezos Post, they have admitted that fairness and objectivity and even truth is out the window. That there are new objectives in journalism today. So they know, every damned one of them knows that Donald Trump has never called the virus a hoax. Every damned one of them knows that I never said the deep state created the virus and let it incubate in a lab and then unleashed it to get rid of Donald Trump. I never, my mind didn't even work that way. But they know I didn't say that, and yet they're reporting it. They know that Donald Trump never said that the virus is a hoax. And yet they continue to report that he did. Vice President Pence was on with, uh, with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press yesterday, and it was highly instructive. In one of the bites, and I'll play it for you. I'm not sure I've got time here. Uh, But I'm going to play it for you. Uh, Chuck Todd demands names. When Pence says there's been a lot of irresponsible rhetoric, there's been a lot of irresponsible rhetoric, a bunch of people saying things are not true, and, and Chuck Todd says, give me a name, give me a name. And so Pence says, well, there's a column in the New York Times, Gail Collins, where she calls this the Trump virus. And Chuck Todd says, well, you know, it's not useful 
to be criticizing people by name. He just he demanded a name, he got a name, and then ripped Pence for giving him a name, saying it's not useful. It's not helpful. Uh, that's, you know, the, 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 name some names. Well, there was a column, New York Times, prominent liberal journalist that said we should rename it the Trump virus. Okay, well, that, that, that but that, does that apply? Is that what Yeah. Gail Collins, she's an editorial writer for the New York Times, calling it the Trump virus. How do you get more bias? Well, Chuck Todd says not, not helpful. Uh, not helpful here to start calling people out. No, you just demanded it. And then Pence gave you a name, and then they ripped Pence for doing that, as though Chuck Todd never asked for a name, as though Pence is out there slandering people. It's classic. It is literally classic. Uh, and, and Chuck Todd and the drive-bys are not the only ones. The, the never-Trumpers are in on it now, too. i gotta, I got to take a break. All of the sound bites of the evidence here is coming up, so hang in. Yeah, see, like right there, we have Biden hopes to reshape race after blowout South Carolina win that everybody knew was going to happen. Now they're saying that plugs is starting to angle and maneuver around for how to secure a brokered convention and how to win it. You crazy Bernie supporters, they're going to try to drive you insane here and they may succeed. So you, you, you need to pay close attention. I don't know. Sometimes you just have to laugh. I Like Larry King. Larry King, who has never gotten over what I did to him. And I didn't do anything to him other than wipe him out. He's never gotten over it. Now Larry King is working at someplace called Russia Today. <laughs> and he claims I'm never going to get a Pulitzer. <laughs> Well, he's working at Russia today because 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 I start talking about things like coronavirus and I don't know what I'm talking about. And inside the radio business, nobody respects me. And I'm never going to get a Larry Pulitzer's don't go to radio people. Pulitzer's go to, to print journalists, of which I am not one. I, I, I couldn't win a Pulitzer if I wanted to. And now that I have the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Larry, I don't need a Pulitzer. I don't need a step down. Get some freaking Pulitzer Award, which, you know, the New York Times got a Pulitzer for all of the lies on the Russia hoax that they told. That's how that's how valid a Pulitzer Prize is today. A Pulitzer Prize. CNN got one. CNN got a Pulitzer Prize for a bogus story that they were led to by James Comey. Let me explain this one again real quick. It's 2017, before Trump's been inaugurated. Obama, Comey, Clapper, and Brennan have a meeting in Obama's office. They discuss how to get the dossier into the mainstream news. They decide, let's report some of it to President-elect Trump. So Comey, Brennan, and Clapper have a meeting with Trump at his office in Trump Tower on January 6th, the next day. After the meeting, Comey asks Clapper and Brennan to leave, says he needs some alone time with Trump. This is all documented, by the way. It's in numerous books, congressional testimony. Comey then tells Trump about the golden showers. Says, Mr. President, you need to know the kind of things being said out there so that you get these in the intelligence briefings. You need to know what's being said. And 
Trump, when when they told him, when Comey said there's a story out there that you've hired prostitutes to urinate on a bed that Obama slept in in Moscow, the first thing Trump thought was that they're setting him up for be blackmail because he didn't do it. Of course, it's it's ridiculous. He didn't do it. He's hired prostitutes, period, didn't do it. And <clears throat> so Trump gets it. What the hell is this? And then And then Trump said, look. My God, you can't let this get out. My, my wife, oh my God, you can't, this is crazy. This is stupid. Comey, when the meeting is over, calls Clapper. And according to congressional testimony from Comey, says, mission accomplished. At that point, Clapper calls CNN, who would hire him a few days later. Clapper called the director of national intelligence for Obama, James Clapper, bald headed guy, talks like, talks, talks like this. And he called CNN and said, uh, the president was just told about the golden shower story. CNN then runs a story. The president of the United States today was informed about the Steele dossier, the golden showers story where he hired prostitutes. They got a Pulitzer for that. That's what a Pulitzer Prize is worth, Larry. Zilch, zero, nada. Anyway, greetings and welcome back. Great to have you. L. Rushball, executing assigned host duties flawlessly. Telephone number, if you want to be on the program, is 800-282-2882. Now let's get into some of the audio sound bites where I can really demonstrate. I don't know what you call this, media malpractice. I mean, it's more serious than that. Um, the United States media is literally attempting to incite a panic. They are trying to make it. Do you know how many how many coronavirus cases in the U.S.? And don't misunderstand me on this now. Do not you dare miss because what, you know, they're, they're also lying that I said that this thing is no different than the common cold. That's not what I said. When I said, folks, this is the common cold, I was talking about the number of cases. Nobody has died from it at the time I said this. So in the U.S., 86 cases, two deaths. 86 cases, coronavirus, two deaths. The number of people that are going to die today from the flu, it will be in the thousands, the high hundreds to thousands. That's how many people will die from the flu today. Uh, Is that okay? I'm not saying anything's okay. Do not put words in my mouth. didn't say that. I'm saying a little perspective here. So when I said that the coronavirus is a common cold, I was talking about the lack of number of cases, the fact that nobody had died from it. And I said it's the common cold in the U.S. Of course, in China, it's not the common cold. Uh, Number of cases in China has peaked, apparently. At least the reported cases are coming down. And this, by the way, I think is a factor in the market, too. Tim Cook saying, we think the worst has happened. We're ramping back up for production purposes in China and our assembly lines. Uh, that's going to have positive uh, impact on the market. So uh, we have 89,000 confirm, 89, confirmed cases. 45,000 people have recovered from it. 3,048 deaths, of which two are in the United States. Yet, we have the American media willingly, knowingly, attempting to create a panic. 
And in the process, they want you to believe that your president doesn't care that he thinks it's not a uh, 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 that he thinks it's a hoax that he doesn't even think coronavirus is real. That's what they want you to believe. They're trying to tell you that President Trump doesn't even think it's real. He thinks it's a hoax made up by the media. Uh, it is. It's the epitome of irresponsibility. You know, it, 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 it's such a high degree of irresponsibility. It doesn't even warrant shouting or or. or Losing your temper over it just it it's so bad that it can't that you can't you can't understand it. What the media is doing is so bad that it it, it defies civilized description. So let's go to Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd interviewing Vice President Pence on Sunday on Meet the Press. He's and he plays a montage of people correctly analyzing what the Democrats are doing and always do, and then calls it gross. I want to play for you what some of your allies have said about the coronavirus. Here's including the president's son and the RNC chair. Take a listen, sir. The coronavirus being weaponized as yet another element to bring down Donald Trump. Democrats are using this for their political gain to try and stoke fear in the American people, which is shameful, wrong, and I think un-American. For them to try to take a pandemic and seemingly hope that it comes here and kills millions of people so that they could end Donald Trump's streak of winning is a new level of sickness. None of this seems to match the facts. What facts are there that Democrats are doing this? This implies some sort of political motivation, which is kind of gross. Chuck, and I, I said it's, it's not even worth losing my temper over, but you make, it, you make it really close. Chuck, it was last week that you, your colleagues in the media all talked about how this might be now an opening for the Democrats. What is an opening for the Democrats, Chuck? People getting sick. The coronavirus. A new illness might be an opening for the Democrats. It was you Democrats and you people in the media, Chuck, that were talking about this as Trump's Katrina. What is that? Everybody knows what Katrina is. That's where you guys think you succeeded in portraying George W. Bush as incompetent and uncaring in dealing with the aftermath of people whose lives have been destroyed by a hurricane. So what's different here? This could be an opening for Democrats. What is the opening, Chuck? A bunch of people getting sick, and you can blame Trump for it? And then you have the audacity to act outraged and offended and grossed out that anybody could think this? Chuck, I hate to tell you, but you and your buds have been nailed. You have been spotted and you've been nailed. We know exactly what you're doing. And by the way, the soundbite of me here, he had in this bite, the coronavirus being weaponized is yet another element to bring down. It damn well has been, Chuck. When you report on the coronavirus as though it is an opening for the Democrats. When you talk about it as Trump's Katrina, Chuck. That's weaponizing an illness. When you politicize an illness that doesn't know whether its victims are Republican or Democrat, conservative, liberal, gay or straight, doesn't know anything, and you politicize that, what are you doing, Chuck? You're politicizing it, and you hope that you can 
harm Donald Trump with it. There's no, there's no doubt this is happening. So Chuck Todd says to Vice President Pence, this is kind of gross. I mean, what facts are there the Democrats are doing any of this? Well, I will tell you, there's been a lot of irresponsible rhetoric among Democrats and commentators. Who? Who is this? On the left. Name some names, sir. Well, uh, because this is just, well, it just feels like gaslighting. P- please name some names. I'm, I'm a, we're all big. Well, re- we're all big re- people here. Name some names. There was a column in the New York Times by a prominent liberal journalist that said uh, we should rename it the Trump virus. Okay, that, that, that is, does that apply, to, does that apply to, to all people? So that the president would be blamed. So Chuck's, okay, okay, he's demanding a name. Name some names. Pence gives him a name. Well, well, I mean, does that apply to everybody? Chuck, anybody called you cheap lately? Chuck, you are so obviously gone now. Chuck Todd and, and the rest are so obviously all in on the Democrat Party and the left. I mean, there's, they're not even making any pretense. This This tone of his... Question. Names and names, sir. Names and names, sir. This is just, this is just, names and names. This is gaslighting, sir. This is gaslighting. Please, names and names. I'm waiting. We're all big people here. Please. We're, we're all big people. Names and names. Names and names. I'm waiting. We're patient. We're big people here. Come on. Don't be a coward. Names and names. So Pence gives him one name. Well, you, you can't associate that with everybody. I, I, wasn't that long ago that even if Chuck wasn't embarrassed, that there would have been somebody in the media that would have been embarrassed by the way they're acting. But not happening. Now we move to CNN. Reliable sources on Sunday morning. A totally crazy CNN guest psychoanalyzes me and you, me and this audience, the Trump base. Uh, this is the University of Delaware professor... Donegal Young, the woman, and the question comes from I don't know who. I want to ask what you think is going on with the crazed conspiracy theories about the coronavirus from right-wing media. What is this about? This poses a unique challenge to the conservative media landscape because their hmm. base, which constitutes social and cultural conservatives, generally, on average, tends to be more concerned about issues related to pathogens and hygiene and cleanliness. And I know that this is a hard pill to swallow, but there's a lot of research from political psychology that actually suggests that those kinds of concerns may actually result in attitudes and behaviors that are socially or culturally conservative. So what does one do if one is Rush Limbaugh. They've done two things. On the one hand, they've downplayed the severity of the threat, referring to it as the common cold. Uh, there we go again. How many times did I make clear what I was saying about this? But note the question. Uh, what is this going on, these crazed conspiracy theories about the coronavirus? It's not a conspiracy theory to say that it's at the time that it was being discussed, it's no more severe than the common cold. What, what, what's a conspiracy theory about that? So what if you do if you are a Rush Limbaugh? Well, sorry, Ms. Donegal Young, there's only one of me, and there's not going to be another. So you're out of luck if you're searching. But... Lord, we can't turn people against the Democrats. We can't permit that to happen. We've got to let the Democrats get away. You want to talk about conspiracy theories and kookism? 
So she, she continued. She wasn't through. The second thing that they've done, in addition to the downplaying, is the reframing of the virus altogether, which I think is fascinating. So if you have an audience for whom that virus and pathogens are going to make you fearful, what can you do? Well, you can reframe it as something that's being weaponized by an outgroup. The threat becomes the Democrats and the media. And when you think about that language, weaponizing a virus. Where is that housed in our minds psychologically? Where is that schema housed? That's related to biological warfare, terrorism. The natural extensions in your brain when you hear weaponized virus are really dire and really will kind of prime that in-group, out-group feeling. Yeah, I stand by it. The media is weaponizing this virus to use it as a weapon against Donald Trump by lying about it and lying about him, claiming that he thinks it's a hoax. Um, these people have to work very hard here to deflect any damage from sticking to the Democrats who are the architects of all this weaponization. Brief break. We'll be back and continue after this. I have here a, uh, let's see, CNBC story from back on February 3rd. So this is roughly a month ago. And the headline, the flu has already killed 10,000 across the United States as the world frets over coronavirus. That's a CNBC headline. No editorializing. No addition or subtraction. February 3rd, CNBC, the flu has already killed 10,000 across the United States as the world frets over coronavirus. The subhead, the flu, remains a higher threat to U.S. public health than the new coronavirus. The flu season alone has sickened at least 19 million across the United States and led to 10,000 deaths and 180,000 hospitalizations. Roughly a dozen cases of coronavirus have been identified in the U.S. This is back on February 3rd, a month ago. So we're up from uh, 12 cases to 85 or 86 now. We've had two deaths from the coronavirus. We have had 10,000 deaths from the flu so far this season. 180,000 people hospitalized with the flu. Where is the panic over the flu? Where is the market plunge because of the flu? Where is headline after headline after headline talking about the people getting the flu? Where is the headline about shortage of hospital surgical masks because of the flu? Where is the headline, we are out of all medical supplies at Costco, on stories about the flu? In fact, this story on the flu was one of the few you could get about it. There wasn't a story. 10,000 people dead because it happens every year. 180,000 hospitalized, it happens every year. That's why there are flu shots. Everybody knows this. Here comes the coronavirus by comparison, the common cold, and everybody's freaking out. And why? Because they're using it to try to inflict political damage on Donald Trump. Canton, Ohio. Margaret, you're next. It's great to have you on the EIB Network. Hi. Hi, Rush. Highlight of my week to talk to you, and it's only Monday. I just watched uh, Joe Biden's interview with uh, Chuck Wallace today, (laughs) 
and um, you know the two words that keep coming to my mind. I mean, I'm sitting here, Chuck Wallace, Chuck Wallace. Oh, and then I took me a while. <laughs> it took me a while. You mean Chris? Wall- okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, what did I miss? Is there some new internet show out there that Biden found? Okay, Chuck Wallace. I got you. I'm lagging a little behind here today. Uh, that's okay. I'm one of these people who had the flu this year. I was one of these people in the hospital for it, by the way. Oh my. Oh yes. But um, no. Every time I, I hear, and this- I'm here. I live to talk about it. Well, I'm. Glad I live to-, to talk about the coronavirus after being hospitalized with the flu. How about that? <laughs> Uh, okay, so anyway, um, <laughs> hey, I wanted to um, tell you the two words that keep coming to my mind every time I hear Joe Biden is useful idiot. Joe Biden, useful idiot. Uh, for, for, for whom is he the useful idiot? Well, I tell you what, I think there's a lot of people, you know, deep state kind of people who would love to have him in there. They could manipulate that. Oh, there's no question. If Plugs gets elected president, he's not going to be. Oh, you are so, so right. Now, useful idiot is a term to describe your average Democrat voter. They they buy all of this incendiary rhetoric, rhetoric and helps them, but they're useful idiots. Biden, Biden would be a figurehead, and he knows it. He knows he's a stand-in for whoever is really behind his candidacy, and that's the Democrat establishment. But who, who, who is going to be president when Plugs is elected? Now, that is an interesting question. I'm just going to tell you, folks, and I, I, I feel pretty confident going out on a limb here. You know, I could give you a caveat or two, but when we get to the Democrat convention in Milwaukee, it isn't going to be Joe Biden. Joe Biden's not going to be in the conversation. It's going to and Bloomberg is not going to go away. Bloomberg is going to if he has to spend a billion dollars, he's going to do it. He's not he's not going to go away. And a phone call from Obama will not get rid of him like a phone call from Obama got rid of uh, Pete Buttigieg. But it isn't going to be plugs. Plugs doesn't have the money. And I know that there are all kinds of establishment Democrats salivating at Biden winning. Because he's going to literally, he will be a figurehead president. He doesn't know where he is some days, even some parts of the day. And he doesn't know to whom he is speaking some of the time. The people that are behind Biden's campaign, you call them the, the Democrat establishment, but then who is that? Is it Obama? Uh, is it Hillary? Is it a combination of the two? Who is it? Well, we need to find out who it is because those are the people or that is the person who is actually going to be running the country if Biden would somehow uh, get elected. But And, you know, folks, it's impossible. Anything can happen. There's so many unpredictable things that are going to happen between now and the conventions, and then between now and the election, that it really is kind of silly. If you want to make a prediction of what's going to happen based on circumstances today not changing, or every circumstance being predictable, then go ahead and have fun. But that ain't going to be, there. I don't care what it is, there are going to be things that happen between now and whenever that nobody is expecting, nobody is forecasting, not even your favorite psychic. So it's a fool's game to start predicting these things.
that's why that's why I react when the media is putting on one of its gigantic shows like they did last week. Burying plugs. It's over. It's over. He doesn't have a prayer. Then he wins South Carolina like everybody knew he was going to win. Now all of a sudden he's the front runner. Not for all intents and purposes. That, 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 that all the wind is it plugs his back. Come on. Interesting story here from Front Page Magazine. Bernie Sanders is funded by the wealthiest zip codes in America. This is another thing that I have been remarking on, noting, and attempting to convince people of for many, many moons now. And that is that the real wealth in this country, the wealth that people supposedly hate, is wealth that's in the hands of liberal Democrats. Silicon Valley, uh, Gates Buffett, uh, Hollywood. And these people have gone out of their way to make you think they hate their wealth. And they've gone out of their way to make you think they ought to be taxed more. But they never are, are they? They've gone out of their way to tell you they're going to be giving it all away. But they never do, do they? No, but they're going to, and they convince you that they don't even like having the money they have. They, they think it's unfair. And this is how they keep you and the others with the pitchforks away from them when you get mad. It's a way to keep you from crossing their moat. What's that? Uh, oh, Amy Klobuchar to suspend campaign endorsed Biden. So she got the Obama phone call at some point in the last few hours as well. Klobuchar suspending... Cam- Why didn't you just tell me that instead of saying, check out CNN? Oh, you wanted to see my reaction. Well, see, here's another thing. Klobuchar suspending her campaign would be about like me suspending my campaign. I don't have one. Klobuchar, can't, well, what has she got? 4% of the polls? How many delegates has Klobuchar got? Five? None. For all practical purposes, she got none. So here, the Democrat establishment, I told you, Trump was right. Getting Judge out and to throw his support behind Biden, that's step one in trying to take it away from crazy Bernie. And now Klobuchar, you know, how do the people at Fox News feel? They just did a town hall meeting with Amy Klobuchar and it must have, must have just been a disaster because shortly after the Fox News town hall, she's gone. Suspends the campaign. Well, I'm sorry, it's how I would If somebody came on this program to try to ignite their campaign and a couple days after they appear here, the campaign went, I, secretly I might claim credit for it since she's a Democrat, but <laughs> anyway, oh, is that her husband? Certainly, is that her husband? You know, we never see the... Just like Patsy Schroeder, we never see their husbands until they are quitting. When Patsy Schroeder quit the presidential race, we finally saw her husband, Jim. We've never seen Klobuchar's husband. I get people in Minnesota have because she's been like, but we've never seen him. Isn't it amazing? If you ever stop to think about this with the guys that are on the campaign trail, their wives have to be there. Their wives have to be there, and then the 2.8 kids have to dutifully come on the stage after every debate before me. You did great, Dad, even though the kids are embarrassed. You did great, Dad. But the, we never see the female candidate spouses. At least I don't. I mean, maybe 
Maybe they're in a spin room. I don't know. But I ne- you never see them. You never see them joining the spouses. The women are up there all by themselves. You know why? Because that's the point. They need to show they don't need any support. They don't need their relationship. They don't need a spouse to do this. They don't need any of that stuff. But the guys do. Okay, Klobuchar to end 2020 run endorsed Biden. This is so obvious what's happening here. I love it. It is so transparent. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, Crazy Bernie funded by the wealthiest zip codes in America. Tech industry people, trust fund hipsters. uh, It says here are buying the nomination for Bernie. And it, you know, it kind of makes sense because really it's only the very rich and the very poor who can afford socialism. Meanwhile, there's Plugs. Look at Plugs. Plugs don't know where he is. They're probably going to tell him, hey, Klobuchar is going to endorse you this afternoon. He's going to say, who? Let's, uh, let's get back to the phones. This is Larry in Fall River, Massachusetts. Hey, Larry, great to have you. I'm glad you waited, sir. Hi. Thank you, and ditto. I wanted to say that I thank you, and I'm glad I got the chance to do this, that I became a doctor thanks to you. I've been a doctor a long time now, but it's thanks to you. And my second point is, wait, I remember... Wait, what, what, kind of, what kind of doctor are you? I'm a spine specialist. A spine specialist. And, and, and how, how did this program make you want to become a doctor? I was a school teacher, and you talked about following your passion and how you've never worked a day in your life because you love what you did. And I was convincing myself uh, that, you know what, I should do that too. And, of course, I had the grades and the academic uh, ability. And, uh, of course, I went to school in New York, NYU. Uh, so uh, they're probably going to lose credit now. But that's okay. I love uh, hearing stories like that. I really do. Because, see, it was in you all the time. Yes. It, this passion was in you all the time. You just needed a, uh, uh, you just need a little kick that, w- that told you you could do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, uh, the money and everything just appeared. It was a, 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 a miracles, if you want to use that term, but it just occurred. And it was, uh, I've been practicing a lot now and I'm uh, still passionate about it. I'm, I'm uh, uh, getting a little older in my years and along in the tooth, but uh, I have as much passion today than I did the day I uh, walked into the school and uh, walked into the anatomy lab. So it's there. Well, thank you very much. I really, I, that, I love hearing uh, stories like that when anybody is able to uh, get out of a rut, find out what they really love doing, and go do it. That's fabulous. Thank you very much. for. T- now, what else do you, I know you had something else you wanted to add to that, and that's when I interrupted yeah. you. I remember when you got scammed also on, this, on a virus back when they had the HDLV3, now called HIV, um, on that talk show. You were on a panel show as a as a guest host, and they tried to do the same thing they're doing now. It's the same skin. It's the same stuff. You were right then. You're right now. And that's something that they don't. They can't well, get. You, you, know right, you, 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 know, you know what he's talking about? He, you, he does. He goes back to very beginning. He's talking about when I got set up and scammed on a guest hosting the Pat Sajak show. That's, that's correct. That, that, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I took those producers... At their word and honestly, and I thought it was gonna. Ha- I thought it was gonna be an opportunity to reach out to some people that misunderstood me, and instead, it was a gigantic setup. You're absolutely right about that. Absolutely, and you and you learned from that, and you became 
So you're right now. Let me tell you, you are so right now about these viruses, and you're right then, and you, you're right about it. So you know your stuff. You do your research. Well, I do. That's Thank you. I do. You're exactly right. I've got – folks, here's the thing, and I always say this. And remember, there are people, uh, for, for a lot of different reasons, tuning in for the first time every hour to this program. Uh, people tuning in for the first time every day. Uh, because of the ways I and this program have been in the news recently. So it's creating a lot of curiosity. So I sometimes will take a break and say something you all have heard me say numerous times, but the new listeners haven't. And in this case, I just, I've got, there's nothing to be gained by lying to people here. There's nothing to be advanced in terms of my career or reputation by knowingly lying to anybody about anything. Because in this day and age, it can be discovered and exposed. And to sit here and and try to openly lie about the coronavirus would be silly and pointless. And plus, it's not it's not in my nature to do it anyway. There's I don't I don't I don't want to get wherever I get on the back of lies or false information or have it's just the exact opposite. I want the people who listen to this program to be more informed because they do than people who don't. And so the the idea that this coronavirus has been politicized, another word for that is weaponized, to be used by the enemies of Donald Trump as a means of harming him politically, it's undeniable. It literally is undeniable. When you hear Democrats saying, as they did last week, this could be an opening, coronavirus could be an opening for Democrats. How? People getting sick all over the world, some of them dying, is an opening for Democrats? Is this really what the Democrats want to be attached to them? That somehow people getting sick is an opportunity for them or an opening? And it's them saying it, not me. And then they are lying about me saying that the coronavirus was a thing created by deep state scientists. I mean, that's not even the most insane lunatic kook internet websites have said something as silly as that. And yet the drive-by media, BuzzFeed, tried to make that sale. So... um, there's no point in lying about it. When I, when I say that the coronavirus, folks, it's the common cold. I'm trying to stop a panic. I'm talking about the number of cases, the number of people seriously sick. It's fewer than the people who get the common cold. And this was last week when the number of cases was about 15 or 20. The number of cases now is 86. The number of deaths in America is two. On October 3rd, 10,000 Americans had died of the flu already this season. 180,000, I being one of them, had been hospitalized for it. There's just there's a total lack of proportion on any of this. And I don't even think it's controversial to say the Democrats are politicizing this because they've been politicizing everything. The New York Times lies for two years about collusion between Trump and Russia to win the election. They get a Pulitzer Prize for it. Even after the Mueller report comes out, says no collusion. Anyway, I got to take a break. I'm way long. I just noticed it. Sit tight. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. The Democrat 
Party establishment is scared to death of Bernie Sanders. We knew it. We knew it. But now we're seeing it. So somebody got to Amy Klobuchar and said, look, you're wasting your life. You're throwing away money you don't have. You don't have any delegates. You got 2% in the polls. Club uh, mentum, which to me sounded like a, like a, what do you call it when you have diarrhea? Club mentum is a, like an emodium, whatever it is. Uh, it wasn't working. So somebody got to her and said, okay, you're, 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 you're done. And, and she's going to get something. She's, she's going to fly to Dallas tonight. Uh, Plugs has a rally there. She's going she gonna to endorse Biden tonight in Dallas. She's going to throw all of her zero delegates uh, to Biden. Here's Mike. What happened to the guy in Chattanooga? Oh, gee, the guy. Let me tell you, we had a guy. Let me see if I can reconstruct it because this guy was right. On the Democrats, here's, here's what they're facing. This is what they think. They think with Bernie Sanders as a nominee, not only does he lose in a landslide, they think that the Democrat Party loses down ballot like Obama. You know, people have forgotten this, and I'm going to be happy to remind you. Barack Obama oversaw one of the most massive Democrat Party losses in 2012. You can't believe this. In 2010, 2010 and 2012, the Democrat Party lost over 1,000 seats, folks, not just in the House and the Senate. I'm talking about governorships and state offices like Secretary of State, all the way down to local mayor. In 2010, it's because of all the spending in Obamacare. And then 2010, Obama didn't lose because of race, but the Democrats I mean, you should have seen it after 2010, 2012. James Carville was talking. And, and when Trump won in 2016, that was that was the culmination, too. And James Carville in 2016 was talking about the Democrat party hadn't had this little power since the early part of the 20th century. And he was right. Electoral power, the Democrat party Hasn't had anything. They win the House back in 2018. They are worried to death Bernie is going to lose everything on an Obama style and then some. If they can take Bernie out, they think they're going to be taking out Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, the rest of the squad. They're going to keep the House and they'll keep Pelosi as Speaker. But for all of that to happen, Bernie has got to lose again. He cannot get the nomination because if he does, they think they're finished. The Democrat Party establishment. We'll be back. I'll expand on this in a moment. Okay, ask yourself another question. Buddha Judge and Amy Klobuchar quitting. Quitting on the eve of the South Carolina Super Tuesday, Super Tuesday with all the delegates. Why? Who has the juice to make that happen? Hmm? Back in a minute. I have a question. What happens? And I'm 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 very serious about this, folks. You know, I don't just sit here and absorb. I'm constantly thinking. I react. Situational awareness, all of that. And I have a question for you. What happens 
when there is no epidemic of coronavirus in the United States? What happens then? They'll have to invent a new crisis. But, I mean, no, everybody thinks it's going to be a pandemic. and They've already got that baked in, do they not? People think that's going to happen. I got a caller up here. Uh, Mary Kay. Let's, in fact, let's go get her right now. She's in Annandale, Virginia. This is a good point. Uh, Mary Kay, uh, welcome to the program. Great to have you. What is your point about rationality and fear and all that? Hi, Rush. Um, thank you for uh, chatting with me, and we keep you in prayer. Um, but... You know, I doubt the success of your approach in comparing the chance of dying due to the coronavirus here in the U.S. versus the flu. Yeah. I try the same sort of thing with people who are afraid of flying. Right. And based on work I researched for, uh, researched for a public published article on international airline safety, we found that you had a chance of about 15 million to one of dying in an airplane crash on a first world yeah. uh, flag carrier. Then I asked the person, when did you last win the Powerball? You know, of course, they haven't. I said, well, that's about as likely as it would be for you to die in this plane crash in a first world uh, carrier. And um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. There, the, 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 the image of dying in a plane crash is such a horrific and that's newsworthy thing. It. That is the the horrific thought of if you are on that one in 15 million flight, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be on it. It doesn't matter. The stats go out the window. I get get your point. By the way, I am not trying to persuade anybody with the comparison between the flu and the coronavirus. I am just giving stats, and I'm letting people conclude on their own. I'm not – I'm not – I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating that we've already had 10,000 people die of the flu. We've already had 180,000 this flu season in the hospital. But because it happens every year and you expect it to happen, you get a flu shot. You don't expect to die from it. So, fine. It's part of life. You'll, you'll run the risk. I mean, you'll live your life and do what you can to not get it. But if you get it, well, people get it. But this, why this is new. And this is from China, and it's wiping people out, and it's really, really bad out there. And the media has hyped this up to the point where it is a gruesome and fearful thing. Oh, it's horrible. And so, you know, I I understand, believe me, better than most, and I really appreciate your point, in trying to discuss rational things with people who are experiencing irrationality. It's a lost cause. And by the way, not everybody's irrational about everything. You could be irrational on uh, the statistics of airplanes that go down versus the chances that yours is going to go. You could be irrational about that and be one of the most rational people in the rest of your life that you'll ever run into. It's just people's fears um, are uniquely personal and individual. And I, I was the more conformist uh, a person is, the more likely they are to become susceptible to mass hysteria. Now, I, for example, am not a conformist. In fact, I'm the exact opposite. When I see conventional wisdom forming about something, my my instinct is to go the other way, not believe it and to believe something else. 
And believe me, that has served me well over the years. I can't. Conventional wisdom comes from where? The media. You you know, everybody knows how dishonest the media is. And they still believe them. Everybody knows how biased the media is. They still believe them. Everybody knows what a bunch of leftist wackos the media is. They still believe them. How many times have you read coffee causes cancer and you believed it until the story? Guess what? We were wrong. Coffee doesn't cause cancer. Oat brand does. So you stopped eating oat brand muffins and start instead start sitting on them instead of eating them. And then they tell you, oh, it's not oat bran, it's baking oat bran that causes cancer, so you stop baking it and you eat it raw. And then they tell you that eating Big Macs is destroying the planet, so you stop eating Big Macs, you go out, Chick-fil-A, whatever you do. Then they tell you that those chickens are being raised in cages, and you can't support that, so you stop eating Chick-fil-A, you go back to McDonald's and Burger King because the planet hadn't been destroyed. The media creates all of this. And people dutifully fall right in line. And there are people out there who, who, who count on that. They count on people, enough of them falling right in line. Um, so I want to present to you an alternative theorem about this. And it's just an alternative theory, folks. It's born of my not being a conformist. What if... What if in the United States, the coronavirus has actually been around for quite a while? It's been around since December. What if the coronavirus has actually been around for weeks, especially on the left coast? I mean, if the coronavirus started in December with the Chicoms, the odds are that some people from China coming to the U.S. in December, January, didn't know they were infected, had it. It, it, it may be a safe assumption, might not want to bet on it, but it may be a safe assumption the coronavirus has been on the West Coast for a while. And that quite a few Americans got it. Quite a few Americans had symptoms. But guess what? They chalked it up to the cold. They chalked it up to a flu. It's just something you wait till you get over and you move on with your life. How many of those things happen to you in life to you? Uh, how many of you, whenever... Your temperature is 99, go to the hospital, versus you wait until it goes down to normal. I am a person that the doctor is the last thing I do. I wait till whatever I get gets better, and I get over it, and I move on. If it's a cold, if it's the flu, if it's whatever, I wait till I get over it, because that's the history. You get over it. Everybody does. Well, what if the coronavirus has been percolating out there on the left coast and people got it and got over it, thinking it was the flu or common cold? I mean, you can, you can talk to people. I have. I talked to people who live in California who said that the places where they work, their schools, a number of places are filled, as always, with, with Chinese tourists, Chinese parents coming to visit Chinese students. Uh, there have been, you know damn well, there have been people from China coming back visiting Silicon Valley firms like Apple and Google. I mean, the travel back and forth. I'm talking about since, since December, when it was first announced as having been discovered by the Chicoms in Wuhan, 
in China. Now, the point is, and, and I'm just treating you to a hypothetical theory of mine, and you are free to reject it, that up until the 1st of February, you had people flying in daily, daily from China, and swarming places in California that they swarm, and I, I mean go visiting, it's a lot of people that go back and forth between the United States and China, the left coast. So what if it is possible that the coronavirus, number 19, has already made some entrance in the United States, but maybe presents more like a normal flu, less virulent than, say, the swine. You remember that Obama had a big fun time with the swine flu in 2009? Does anybody remember, Snurdly, do you remember Jerry Ford in 1976? Do you remember the swine flu panic back then? You don't. No, you don't. Okay. Well, let me. Uh, but most of you know, 1976. Some of you may not have even been born yet. Some of you may not even have been thoughts in your father's evil, deviant, sexual minds. Some of you might have been born, but you are young. Well, everybody knows men are always thinking rotten thoughts about sex and so forth. That you would have been a thought, but not let not yet a an actual fertilized sperm. And then some of you would have been born, but too young. Let me help you out. Jerry Ford was president in 1976, already in trouble over pardoning Richard Nixon. Inflation was at like 2%. It was thought out of control. He had these buttons win. Whip inflation now. People were making fun of Jerry Ford because of a bunch of things. And then, out of nowhere... There was a panic over the fact that there might be a big swine flu coming from China to do damage in the United States. And Jerry Ford worried that this could be 1918 all over again. So I don't know. I remember this, but a lot of you won't. But don't doubt me. Jerry Ford ordered massive swine flu vaccinations. He demanded that companies produce them. He demanded that the military, over whom he had control, take them. Uh, If you were a student at Stanford, anywhere on the left coast, you had to line up and take the vaccine for the swine flu. And there were people getting sick from the vaccine. They rushed this into production. They hurried like you can't believe because Jerry Ford, he needed something. Whip inflation now wasn't working. Pardoning Nixon wasn't working. That hadn't worked. Inflation was out of control. Oh, and Jerry Ford was being laughed at every day on Saturday Night Live for falling down the steps. Air Force One had to do something. Swine flu was a chance to be taken seriously. And they created a panic. Look it up if you if you're doubting it. Google it. They did a they, they created a, pian, a, a panic and a fiasco because some soldiers really did get ill, uh, very ill from the swine. It was called S or H I N I, and they kept talking about this might be the return of the Spanish flu, which is what happened in 1918. 
And Jerry Ford ended up coming off in the liberal media as a dunce because the vaccination that people were forced to take made people sicker than the swine flu itself. And then people wondered, you know, why Jerry Ford lost in 1976. The swine flu, they created a panic, thought it was real, but the vaccine made people sicker than the actual swine flu. My, my question is, what happens if... What happens, we got everybody expecting an epidemic of this now. What happens when it doesn't happen, when you don't see it? What happens when, what, and, and by the way, now in China, here's a, here's a headline from Forbes. Are you ready for this? China's coronavirus recoveries surpass new infections, but Europe's outbreak worries. See? Even when the news is good out of China, it's got to be bad somewhere else. The swine flu caused one death. It hospitalized 13. The vaccine was worse than the swine flu, 1976. I got people Googling it now. See, and you didn't even remember it. That's another reason why you are fortunate to have me as your host. This stuff, nothing is new. This has all happened. We've been there. That's why I am not a conformist, and it's why I am initially suspicious when the media gets on these things. Now, and I have hyped also, when I've told you about this, I have shared with you the recovery numbers, which nobody in the media is telling you. Let me get those up here again. Total confirmed as of 103 this afternoon, 89,254 deaths. 45,000 people have recovered. They never tell you that. The total number of deaths, 3,048. In the U.S., the number of deaths is two. Where is this epidemic? But see, see, Russia losing here. People are scared to death. And if you want to relate, you got to act scared. That's the way you relate to them. You got act scared. People are scared. You act scared, and and you'll own. Oh, I can't do it. I'm not because, folks. I'm telling you, thirty-one years. Don't doubt me. So much of this has been politicized. I've proved it in the audio soundbite so far today. I've proved it. Chuck Todd alone has proved the politicization of this as far as the media and the Democrats are concerned. But what 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 happens, meaning if 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 the coronavirus has been here long before anybody's known it, if it's been here since December, and people have gotten it and gotten over it and just thought they had the flu or just thought they had the cold um, before anybody even heard of the coronavirus 19. If, if that's happened, it means there isn't an epidemic of it, folks. It means people here have gotten it and gotten over it and it's not causing what they're trying to tell you it could cause. And then if it doesn't, if there is no epidemic, well, then what? And Snurdly is right. Then we got to dial something else up and we move. And then, so what it'll be, 
The United States dodged a bullet, but not because of Donald Trump. No, because the media was on the case early. No, we survived this idiot President Donald Trump. In Europe, it's really bad. Why, look at what's happening in Iran. Do you, you know, the Ayatollah's lead advisor got this thing and died from it? You hadn't heard that in Iran. That'd be the equivalent of, of, of one of Trump's assistants getting it and dying. How does that happen? The Pope may have it. Nobody's admitting that. But the Pope's coughing, canceling appearances and so forth. Um, but even... Oh, and Anthony Fauci is saying what Pence said here Friday. No, nobody's gagged me. Nobody's preventing me from talking about this. The media is even lying about that. The Centers for Disease Control is suggesting that the... Uh, uh, Ain't going to be as bad as everybody thinks it's going to be. We'll see. Time will tell. I have to take a brief time out, my friends. Time races on when you're having fun, which we are. Don't go away. One of my one of my many protégés out there, Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA, just had some interesting observations. A Democrat presidential race now between two Marxists, Focahontas and Crazy Bernie, and two 77-year-old moderate white men, Biden and Bloomberg. Democrat voters have rejected four women, a gay guy who likes to kiss his husband on the debate stage, five people of color in favor of three ancient white millionaires and a 78 year old former Republican. And the Democrats are worried that crazy Bernie is destroying their party. You know, if I'm a Democrat voter and I've bought into this identity politics, intersectionality crap, if I've bought into all this diversity stuff, I got to be looking at this party and thinking, I have really been taken for a ride. Because when the pedal hits a metal, when the rubber hits a road, there isn't anybody but a bunch of ancient white guys running the Democrat Party. And they're rich. 77, 78-year-old white. The youngest man running for president is Donald Trump. Estimated... American deaths, estimated U.S. deaths, January, February this year. Abortion, number one, 141,000. Still, the most dangerous place to be in America is not in an airplane, it's in the womb. Heart disease killed 104,000. Cancer, 96,000. Accidents, like when you fall off the ladder, 26,000. Chronic lower respiratory disease, 25,000. Stroke, 23,000. We're still not the flu, if you notice that. Stroke, 23. Alzheimer's kills 19,000. This is in January and February. Not for the year. This is two months. Diabetes, 13,140. Flu. Pneumonia, 8,460. Kidney disease, 8,220. Coronavirus, two. Two. Philip in Austin, Texas. It's great to have you with us today in the program, sir. Hello. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Limbaugh. Professor Limbaugh, it is a distinct honor to be able to speak with you. Thank and, you, sir, very much. It's a distinct uh, honor to have you here with us. A 28-year uh, student of the Rush Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies. 
It was a proud moment for me to watch you receive the medal, uh, the, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Thank you. And I, I feel like you're so deserving because you, you speak truth and life values and what you've taught to millions of people across different generations, and I'm one of those. And what I've received of huge value from you is not to live in fear. And it harkens back to that little that previous caller that talked about being able to do what he wanted to do, and he lived without fear of being able to move in that. And so when I see this uh, coronavirus reporting, um, of course, I come to you first. But uh, the spattering, I listen out across the other areas, and I've noticed that they are not reporting or in any significant way speaking of the, uh, the recovery rate, which looks to be uh, commiserate with what I know. I'm not a statistics or, a uh, you know. You know, that is really fascinating. I've made the point a couple times. I'm glad you've, you've picked up on that. There is a massive recovery rate that nobody talks about. And it's right here on the Johns Hopkins website. Yes, sir. Uh, it is. And, and, you know, you're also so right. Even if they're trying to create an attitude or atmosphere of fear, you don't have to play along with it. You have the ability to reject fear. You have the ability to reject whatever it is that the conventional wisdom of daily news reporting is. You have the ability to reject it. Yes, sir. May I say one thing? I I feel like not only are you my professor, but you're also a friend and a mentor and somebody that I've looked up to and I dare say a hero. Uh, due to the values, the, the true life values that you've expounded out there. I remember many years ago you spoke to, um, it was, a, it was a, some information you had put out a whole, uh, about being able to get a job. And you talked about the different levels and what's required and whether it was a high school, college education. And I think that the top level of that had something to do with integrity and respect. And I think that those are parts of values that you teach out there that are invaluable. And I just, I'm thankful that I've been able to experience you for all these years and many years to come. Well, I thank you very much. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always flattered and deeply appreciative when I find out how detailed people's listening is. And you have heard the details and they've obviously made uh, an impression on you. I, re- I remember many of the times, not all, I'm sure, but I remember many of the times I've talked about getting a job versus finding a career uh, versus becoming productive versus finding what it is that you are born to do. We are all born to do something, including be lazy. Uh, some people just have to find what what they were born to do is. Um, and yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a rewarding thing to get calls like yours i i deeply and uh, and profoundly appreciate it that's philip in austin texas uh, grab soundbite number 5 max boot i'm going to tell you a little bit about max boot max boot is a columnist and an author uh foreign policy specialist used to be somebody that I looked up to and admired. He wrote regularly when I first heard of him at the Wall Street Journal. And his stuff, I used it on a number of occasions. I always quote him or reference him. I always cite him when I use it. I don't, I don't steal anybody's stuff unless I tell them I'm going to steal it and they say they don't care, and then I do. But that doesn't happen much. But I, I would cite his work often. And he, uh, he'd write me back occasionally, thanking me or giving me some other t- 
tip, tidbit in his piece that he thought was noteworthy. Then Trump came along and Max Boot became somebody I don't recognize. He became a never-Trumper. Uh, extraordinaire. It became as irrational as the Never Trumpers. I mean, I've, I'm, I've sat here and watched Donald Trump implement both domestically and internationally foreign policy, domestic policy, things these people supposedly devoted their lives to. They were at think tanks where they sat around, they thought about it. And then they wrote what they thought would be persuasive things to try to influence policymakers. They were working hard, I thought, to see that what they believed was actually implemented in the form of policy in the United States. Or as Bill Gates says, policy. So you gotta, if you're going to be a Gates type, you got to pronounce those words the right, just the way you pronounce the word policy. Uh, sends a signal who you really are. You don't just like, it's like saying you don't say talent on loan from God. You say talent on loan from God. And you don't say policy. That's like a policy. That lets you know, that lets people know that you're in a small, august group. Anyway, Max Boot became somebody I didn't recognize. And he watches along with all these other never Trumpers. He watches things that he believed in dearly be implemented and still opposes them. Or opposes them because of the guy doing the implementing, Donald Trump. So, and, and Max has been off the reservation ever since Trump got the Republican nomination and won the election. And it's been, it's been amazing. To, I, I, I know some of these never Trumpers, and I guess I never really did know them. Like Bill Crystal today has come out and endorsed Joe Biden. Now, how many of you people, how many of you people gave Bill Crystal thousands of dollars to go on so-called conservative cruises with the guy? You know, after every Republican election where we would lose, Crystal or these guys would do their cruise, you know, to the, you know, the fjords of Norway or wherever the exotic places they went, you know, take you to sub-freezing temperatures in December and do their lectures and all of their appearances that are never Trump buddies. At the time, you thought that they were conservative thought leaders, and they're sitting there and they're telling you, don't worry, we got it. You might have lost this election, but we're still succeeding in implementing what we believe. Then Trump comes along, and they throw it all away. Their their magazines go defunct, go out of business because their subscribers, hey, these guys aren't even conservatives, they're ripping it. So they, they start new magazines, new organizations. Now they're endorsing Democrats. How many of you people gave these people all that money to go on these post-election cruises? I know some of you in this audience did. How many of you, you know, they, they, they have these, uh, some of them don't go on cruises. They just book hotels for the weekend. And they call it, you know, the vote for us weekend or the conservatism is still alive weekend or whatever. And you go there and they get all these other conservative speakers and they tell you, just keep giving us money. Keep donating to our cause. And I guarantee you someday we're going to win. Then the day comes, Trump gets elected. We start winning and they abandon everybody. How many of you have sent them money? I wonder. Well, I, you know, Max, Max Boot and some of these people have just descended to inexplicable irrationality. And so on CNN Friday, Max Boot appeared. Now, 
I haven't done anything to Max Boot. In fact, I haven't even commented on Max much as a never-Trumper. In fact, I try, on rare occasions, not to even mention these people by name, because I think things are cyclical, and at some point they're going to be back. You give them the benefit of the doubt. So I, I, I haven't tarred and feathered them and ripped into them by name, like some people have. And I certainly haven't spent very much time, if any, on Max. So here's Max with Don Lemon Friday night. And Max is at the Council on Foreign Relations. And Don Lemon says, does this outbreak, this coronavirus, does this show the dangerous weakness of the Trump administration? It's hard to imagine anything more irresponsible than the president going to this rally, going on TV and saying this is a hoax. I mean, he is echoing the worst elements of his base. People like Rush Limbaugh and others who are saying this is some kind of conspiracy against Donald Trump because there really are people out there who actually believe what Donald Trump says. There are people who believe what Rush Limbaugh says. There are people who listen to these voices. And what kind of message does it send to say, don't be worried, this is a liberal democratic... All right, all right stop, stop, Tapper, run it. Max, you're smarter than this is what gets me. Trump has never said that the virus is a hoax, and he knows it. And he knows that I know that the virus isn't a hoax. He knows that I know the virus is a virus, and that it came from the Chicoms, and that it's running its course. And he knows that I have not said that the virus was manufactured by the deep state, to be weaponized against Trump. He knows exactly what I mean, Max Boot does, when I say the Democrats and the media have weaponized this news story to use it against Trump. He knows what I mean. So why lie about this? Why? This is so beneath somebody of Max Boots's brain and intelligence saying this is a hoax. No, Max, nobody is saying that this virus is a hoax. Nobody's saying it was manufactured in a lab by anti-Trump deep staters like you to be used for whatever purpose. What we're saying is what you damn well know is that this is just the latest Trump-Russia collusion story. It's the latest phone call to Ukrainian president. It's the latest opportunity to portray Trump as incompetent, dangerous, silly, stupid, whatever, and the way to get rid of him. When everything else has failed, I, I don't understand. You want to be critical of me? Fine. Why go with this? This is so absurd. So I don't know what's happening. These never Trumpers. I, I I really thought I knew, but this this just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Not with somebody who's got Max's IQ and his brains. It makes no sense whatsoever. Okay, so Bill Crystal, in addition to, I don't know how many of you spending thousands of dollars to go on his so-called conservative cruises, how many of you subscribed to his now worthless magazine? Now Bill Crystal has endorsed for the presidency a guy who as a senator led the effort to deny Clarence Thomas a seat on the Supreme Court. Now, who is it among us that's lost their minds? What's Bill Crystal doing endorsing the guy that tried to stop Clarence Thomas being on the Supreme Court? You tell me. See you tomorrow, folks.